Well, good morning. It is good to see you all here. Really, I wasn't sure about nine o'clock if uh, many people were going to make the trek over across the bridge. But it is good to see you. As uh, Pastor Tim said, I am Steve McGinnis, and I am the pastor of Adult Ministries, and uh, just excited about an opportunity, just as you see there, of the sermon series here of Fired Up, of what it is that really gets us fired up. I have a number of different uh, duties and responsibilities on staff here at Harvest, but uh, right now, primarily, the the uh, uh, the largest amount of my time is in the area of biblical counseling, and I have to admit, uh, it really is what fires me up, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here this morning, and to see what God has to say about questions and answers that we have in life. You know, about five weeks ago, though. Uh, my family and I ventured out on an epic trek struggle, if you will, called family vacation. Most of you, I'm sure, don't know what I'm talking about, but a few of you I, I see do. And we made the long journey down to Destin, Florida, which we had a glorious week of sun and sand. And yes, no oil. The oil came in a couple days after we left. Uh, it was 95 and it was sunny. Uh, my wife got very dark. The rest of us burned like crazy. But we had a great time. Sure, there was the ups and downs. There was the fact that we were all piled into one little hotel room. Maybe poor planning on dad's same. But we had a great time. And then we started to make the trek home. And, you know, it's, what, about 15 hours or so. So we had decided we were heading back, had to be back by Sunday night. And so we decided that we would try to find a stopping off point, maybe about Nashville. Kind of do most of the driving, you know, about eight or nine hours, stop off in Nashville, and then have maybe, uh, you know, six or so hours in, in from there. And so as we were talking back and forth kind of in the days before we left to start heading home back to Nashville, we said, you know, we ought to maybe stop off and maybe we could find something we could do that evening uh, while we're there and kind of, you know, make one more uh, memory for our children and yada, yada. Any guess whose idea that was? But uh, it sounded like a good idea. And so we said my daughter had been with her grandparents uh, a number of months earlier, been coming back through there, and they had stopped off in Nashville at Opryland, and she was just raving and raving about all the things to do there at the Opryland Hotel and, and, and whatnot. So we said, okay, we'll try to get in at a decent time and, and maybe go check things out there, and maybe even the next morning spend some time and, and then head back. Well, as we uh, then uh, decided to do that, I very quickly, I mean, technology is wonderful, I Googled. Opryland Hotel, found the address, plugged it into the GPS, and said, okay, we'll head in that direction once we get close to Nashville, of which we did. We got about one exit before uh, the Opryland, you know, where the exit is. You can see the signs and everything there. And so we start, we said, let's get off on this exit. There was a lot of hotels that were advertised there on this exit, and so we'll find some place to stay close by. So we make the exit, we go to the first hotel, kind of, we listed them out, what we could see there according to our preferences, both in their comfort and my cost. And uh, we stop at the first place, I go up to the front desk, uh, no, we don't have a reservation, I'm sorry, we are full. Okay, so we went across the street to the next place, uh, no, I don't have a reservation, sorry, we're full. I went to the next place. Three different places right there in this exit. And then finally I said, is 
something going on. And they said, well, you know, the airport's just right down the street. This was the exit for the airport. And so this happens a lot on Saturday nights. And said, okay. So we came back, plan B. Let's just go down a few exits, find a place, you know, still kind of close by and, and that. And so we start heading down, and we actually found the next exit. We pulled off. Well, it was a little different neighborhood there on that exit. But, okay, hey, it's just one night. I went up the first place again, and they said, yes, no reservation, sorry, we're full. And I said, you know, I'm not. Let, let's let's just keep on heading. Maybe we'll we'll kind of head this way. Well, we get on the little... Um, kind of interstate that cuts through there. I don't remember the name of it. But, you know, once you get on that, there really isn't any more exits close by. So now we're heading out of town, which I'm thinking, hey, that's not bad. We'll be heading out of town, you know, and get a good start in the morning. You know, it's like a half an hour's time. Well, the more that we were driving away, the more my wife is saying, yeah, but we want to go and the kids are like, are we ever going to stop? Because we've been in the car now for about nine, ten hours. And, you know, so you probably can't relate to this, but a discussion pursues. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I'm the one running in getting, you know, rejected time and time again. And and the sentiment in the car is that maybe we should stop and of course I'm saying hey if any of you've got any better ideas I would love to hear it which then you know they respond with uh, clamming up and not saying a word and then I you know and muttering under my breath well you know you complain about it but you don't have any good suggestions there so we end up about 25 miles down the road but finally I pull off and hey there's a, and I'm just getting the glares from the back and from the passenger seat <laughs> So I decided maybe I need to turn back and we ended up going right to the exit of Opryland. I went again to my now sixth hotel and they said, yeah, sorry, we're full. But we know that right down the street, there's a couple other hotels that we're in communication with. They have a place to stay. So we ended up finding a place to stay right at the exit, just right down the street from the Opryland hotel where it was all supposed to happen. So what if I paid twice of what I wanted to pay? At that point, it was worth it. So we're checking into the hotel, and the kids are talking, and we're kind of, yeah, finally we're here, and we're going to, and we can go check it out. There's still plenty of time. We'll grab dinner, then we'll go check it out there. They're supposed to be shopping and beautiful, and I don't know. And the guy says, "Um, I'm sorry, but that's all shut down. They had a flood about a month ago, and the place is completely shut down. You mean to tell Okay. So we went out to dinner that night. Things were a little better. We even drove in. Well, maybe we could just catch a portion. No, it's completely shut down. It might have been mentioned somewhere after the fact that maybe we should have, oh, I don't know, checked ahead, made a reservation, made some kind of a plan, found out about the surroundings. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that feeling a lot, especially these days of, uh, of where do we get our information? Where do we go to get answers? Clearly, I was way off base and I was asking the wrong questions, definitely, or the right questions at the wrong times. And we were very confused and off base. You know, we are faced with decisions and questions all the time. People come into my office uh, several times a day, many times, and then we're always 
really with one question, where do we go for answers? Where do we go to get the answers? Yeah, I, I tried to do a study uh, this week. I, I googled, uh, you know, I thought there would be some great study that would say, how many decisions do you make in an average day? It's speculated that we make anywhere between, uh, you know, at, at the bare minimum, 500 decisions in a day. Although I expected to get like an average uh, actual number in every place that it came up. Uh, it was almost as if they were laughing and said, you know, it just depends on the day. But hundreds and hundreds of decisions we make every day. Which leads to the question, what is it that we base, what information do we base those decisions on? Where do we go to get answers? That's the question we're going to look at here. And we're going to be looking in the book of Proverbs. And I encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, the ushers will come forward. I know they've got some Bibles. Just raise your hand and we'd love to get you a Bible in your hands. You can borrow and, and take a look and follow along. As we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3 and specifically verses 5 and 6. And for many of you, especially if you've grown up in church, and this may have been one of the first verses that you memorized. I know it was for myself way back when in the years of Awan and so forth. It's interesting, though, because I've never actually spoken on this passage. And while it's something that, a passage that I've known for years, but yet it's, it's encouraging here, and I'm looking forward to, to really just breaking apart this passage. But we're going to look at Proverbs, and specifically in chapter 3, and we need to understand... The context of Proverbs is this. Uh, Solomon is writing this as if he's writing it to his son. Uh, it's a father giving wisdom to his son. And so these Proverbs are axioms or principles that we see that, that, that they're not necessarily always directly, you know, promises, you know, thus says the Lord, but rather sometimes they're just observations that he was making, just trying to say, son, these are the things that you need to know. And that's what we find in in chapter 3. And if you look kind of in the context of the passage there, the first 12 verses, you see the first couple verses there. He starts off with, my son, do not forget my teaching. And we really see him saying the value of wisdom. Chapters or uh, verses 3 and 4, we see uh, information as it relates to relationships there. Chapter 5 and 6 is with decisions. That's what we're going to look at this morning. 7 and 8, we see of behavior and how we are to respond. Uh, 9 and 10 of possessions, 11 and 12 we see as, as it relates to discipline. And so that's kind of the context. And right smack dab in this passage here in verses 5 and 6 though, he, he addresses that problem of where do we go for answers? How do we find answers in life? Let's read these together. Proverbs 3, for starting in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. So we start off here. Point number one in verse 5 is that we should totally rely on God's Word alone for all the principles of life. Totally rely on God's Word alone for all the principles of life. And you look at that and say, okay, where are we getting that? Because it really doesn't say anything specifically especially in those first phrases about God's Word. But we do see here that uh, we are talking about making decisions here. Really, Solomon is in verses 5 and 6. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He will, he will give you the destination. He will help you to get to the destination. Really, it's the source of answers. Uh, this, uh, verse 5 answers the question, where? Where do you go? Verse 6 is, will answer the questions of, of, uh, of what that looks like and, and how and why we do that. But we see here that first word there is trust. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Trust, it literally means to uh, uh, depend, to have confidence, to rely upon. The idea, the literal meaning of that is to lay helplessly face down. So I was studying that the last couple of weeks. I, I kind of, at first I, I didn't get it. I'm thinking, what are they talking about? To lie helplessly face down. And then it, it dawned on me in understanding the context and, and really who Solomon was and the culture they lived in and understanding especially. And just think, if you will, the, the shepherds out in the fields and, the, and, and all this going on. Uh, which are you more protected? When you're laying face up or when you're laying face down? The idea of trusting is when you're laying face down, it's like you're looking away. You're not, you're not even worried about what your surroundings is. You're in a completely helpless, anything could, could come up upon you. But here it's saying to trust, to be in that state of reliance, of relying upon, so that you don't even have a concern, aren't even worried about. And so trust in the Lord. And the Lord there, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the the Greek word Jehovah. It's talking the the self-existent one. It's the proper name of God. And so it's saying that our total reliance should be upon God. It should be on on God and and His uh, revealing Himself to us. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So what is it that we are to, to place our trust in and on? It's the Lord. And, and with what are we to entrust the Lord? With all of our heart. Now most of the time in the scripture, when, it's, when it talks about the heart, it is not talking about the beating organ that pumps the blood. But the heart is the center of the, uh, of the interior of us, the, our mind, our emotion, uh, the, the, our thinking, all that, that is really us, not the physical, but, but the immaterial part of us. And so when Solomon says, trust the Lord with all your heart, he's saying with all that you are, with all that you have, should be placed a trust put within the reliance of God, the existent one, the self-existent one. Now you see there, he's saying what we should be trusting in, but he also goes further to clarify and says, and what we shouldn't be placing our trust in. And and so he says, and lean not on your own understanding. Now, you know, you look at that word lean, and and there again, our English translation here, kind of when we think of lean, it it gives the the wrong uh, idea or connotation. When I think of lean, I think of, you know, if you had a wall or something, and you just kind of... Just kind of rest upon, just just lean, and just you know, it's kind of just a little bit of weight that we place upon that. That's not what it's talking about. When is in this word in the Hebrew, it says lean upon. It's saying to support with all of our weight. It's a foundational point. It's a total support to totally support yourself. And so, what Solomon is saying here is trust in the Lord. 
right? Trust, totally rely on the Lord, and but don't lean, don't support yourself by your own understanding. By your own understanding. You know, understand in life, uh, most of us uh, seek, whether we realize it or not, to answer three critical questions in life. You talk to anybody on the street, anybody new, and, and you, you start probing and asking, and you can really get three big questions in life. Where are we from? Where are we going? And then why are we here? What's this life all about? Where do we go to get the answers is this question in verse 5. Is it in the Lord or are we trying to come up with the answers ourselves? Are we supporting ourselves in the decisions we make on our own understanding? And, and we like to go different places. What are Maybe you watch the Oprah show, right? Uh, maybe, or, or one of my favorites, Dr. Phil. You know, I, I like the, he's kind of got this, this good counselor questions. Occasionally I catch myself asking the same question, you know, how's that working for you? You know, a little pragmatic, I understand. But uh, maybe it's the latest self-help book, or, or maybe, just maybe, and this is the one that gets, I do the same thing, but, you know, I'm kind of messed up and I've got some, some, some problems in my life, so what do I do? I go and find some of my friends, you know, some of the ones who are just as messed up, or sometimes even more messed up than I am, as if they have the answers. What's that? We're leaning on, we're supporting ourselves on our own understanding. Now, what, what, why, some reasons why not to uh, rely on our own understanding, our own thinking. Uh, first I thought of was the fact that we are then trusting the creation or the creature instead of the creator. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. Uh, it's talking about as it relates to general revelation that, that all the world that we see and, and all that you see in creation, you can see that there is a God so that no one is without excuse. And, and the idea is, there, why would you go to the created one when you can go to the designer, the creator? Secondly, uh, maybe uh, another good reason, no maybe about it, but another good reason why we shouldn't uh, rely on our understanding is the fact that we are affected by sin. We live in a sin-fallen world. We are sinners. We are born with a sin nature. Sin clouds our judgment. We are sinners. Therefore, we can't totally trust and rely. Jeremiah 17.9 says uh, that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That's talking about the human heart, the human condition. Because of the effects of sin in our life. We can't fully trust human logic and reason. Another reason is that we don't have all of the information. Again, we're the, we're the created. We're not the creator. We're, we're dealing with just a, a sliver of information of what's going on and how the world works. But rather, verse 5 is saying that we should go and place our trust in where all of the information is found. And simply put, it's that Scripture is sufficient. Second uh, Peter 1, 3, and 4 uh, tells us that uh, uh, God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, to the knowledge of Him. In God's Word, we find all of the answers, all of the things that we need to know to live life, to live life that's pleasing to God. No, life and godliness are contained through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
through the written revelation of God. That's where the answers are. The problem that we have, though, is we're blind. Your Revelation 3.17 says that we are a, a wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Really, it's, it's describing the human condition. And literally, it's saying that each of us have blind spots. You've got blind spots. I've got blind spots. What are some of the blind spots that we have? Well, first is you may believe that you have an accurate view of yourself. Right? I mean, you think, you know, I know me pretty well, and, and I think I have a, a very accurate view of myself, and, and the problem is, if you just knew me the way I knew me, it would all make sense. Uh, you know, you, would, you wouldn't question me a bit, because I, of course, have an accurate view of myself. Wouldn't it be something if we gave everybody else the benefit of the doubt that we give ourselves? Wouldn't it? I mean, think about it, not having relationship problems. If you gave everybody else the benefit of the doubt that you give yourself. And another blind spot you may have is the fact that you see your primary problem in life is that you are sinned against. You're the victim, right? Everything would be fine if people just, you know, wouldn't sin against me. If you just get your stuff straightened around, everything would be good. Unfortunately, uh, Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says that I should take the log out of my eye before I take, worry about the speck in your eye. Scripture says, really, it's just the opposite. First, deal with your own stuff. But, but uh, we have a blind spot that says we're the victim. We sometimes have the blind spot that says uh, well, we, we uh, have trouble differentiating between is this a trial or is this a consequence? Is this something that, boy, just out of the blue has just hit us and, and, boy, who knows what's going on? Or is this something that, in essence, we're really reaping what we've sown? Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8 talk about that. Of understanding that much of the questions and difficulties we have in life is just consequences to decisions that we've made. Another blind spot may be that uh, thinking that you are wise. Thinking that you've got the answers. That you know it all. And in reality, that's generally far from the truth. Another one maybe is, is thinking that you have a sense of what's truly valuable. Uh, of what's truly important. That, uh, that you have a clear sense of, uh, of what it is that we should be striving for. But scripture says that we are blind to these things. We have blind spots. So, so what do we do about our blind spots? Well, literally, you go to the mirror of Scripture and you start to see yourself through God's Word. Allow Him to describe really what you look like. You know, God knows the right way to the right ends. He knows the, what benefits us. He knows what truly free us to serve Him. Verse 5 is saying we need to place our trust to be in a state of reliance and dependence, vulnerability to God alone and God's revealed will to seek the answers in life. So where do you go? Totally rely on God's Word. In the McGinnis family, we have two vehicles at the moment. We've got a couple of uh, future drivers here in the weeks to come and months to come. And... But at the moment, we have two vehicles. In each of our vehicles, 
we have these wonderful inventions called GPS units. I already referred to that earlier. You know, it's interesting. We've got two GPS units. The first one we uh, purchased a number of years ago, and uh, our GPS unit is a uh, female Australian voice. Therefore, we named the GPS unit Sheila. Sheila's been a part of the family for many years. Sheila is loved, uh, very much loved, respected, at times honored, much more than the captain of the ship, Dad, because Sheila knows how to get you there all the time. Sheila is dead on the best way. If Dad even tries to divert the route, and uh, Dad, stick to Sheila. She gets us there. Well, uh, I came across a great deal. Uh, last year, right before Christmas, with all the sales and stuff, and I bought a second GPS unit for the other vehicle. And uh, the voice for there, we, we named her Julie, because that was the name of the voice that, there. And so you got Sheila and you got Julie. Julie, Julie's newer. Uh, Julie's a different brand. Um, but Julie is, I'll just be honest, she's nuts. <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get with Julie. I mean, sometimes you start off and she'll say to turn right and then she'll have you, or turn left and then she'll have you turn and right. And, and when you really look, she's had you go around the block and then back there. It's like, why didn't we just, you know, Julie, sometimes she'll have you going to a destination, especially you go over to someone's house and they live in a new development and, and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a cornfield. She's got no record of this. You know, with Julie, you just never know what you're going to get. That's verse 5. Who are you going to place your trust in? When we go on a trip, trust me, we take Sheila. When dad's running around town, he gets Julie. I even, just this last week, I came across, I saw that I downloaded an updated map, and I also downloaded the voice of Yoda. I'm thinking that's going to fix the problem. But I'm not sure. So where do you go for answers? Who do you place your trust in? All these decisions that you're making day after day, where do you go for answers? What, what are you relying on? Is it just what sort of makes sense for you? Is it just what you feel like at the moment? Or do you totally, totally rely on God's Word for the principles of life and godliness? On what God's Word says? Now, it leads us into the next question, and that is, well, how do we do that, and and why do we do that? And that's verse 6 here. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Number two, seek, recognize, and obey God's directions. He will bring right results. Seek, recognize, and obey God's directions, and He will bring right results. Results. How and why should we go to God's word for the answers? Well, you see that word, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And again, I did some study on that word acknowledge. What does it mean to acknowledge? You know, a lot of times when you're talking with husband and wife, there's a lot of communication going on. And I think, yeah, pretty much I, I acknowledged her, but... That's really not what it's talking about here. The word acknowledge means to know, perceive, or confess. It literally is saying that we should be aware of and fellowship with. 
to be aware of and fellowship with. There's a level of participation that goes in it. It's, it's seeing God at work, but it's also joining Him with what He's doing. It's, it's really fellowshipping with in, in that partnership in making decisions there. Uh, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. So what's the magnitude now of, of how we're to see God and to be obeying and, and participating and fellowshipping with God? In all of your ways. In everything. In all of life. In every decision. All literally means all. All means all. You know, to see God at work in all areas of our life, moment by moment. Many times people come in, and, and especially in counseling, and, and honestly, I think it too sometimes. And they're just saying, you know, I feel so distant from God. You know, they'll come in with the question that, I mean, is, is God there? Is, is God even doing anything? And the first thing that we have to do is we need to change that question because that's an improper question. The question is whether God is doing something. The the question is, what is God doing in this situation? The question you need to be asking over and over, moment by moment, throughout the day is, what is God doing in this situation? Repeat that with me now. Let's say it out loud. What is God doing in this situation? One more time, real loud this time with some confidence. What is God doing in this situation? That's the question that we really need to be asking. You know, he has said in his word in other places, the fact that we serve an all-powerful, ever-present God. He's created things. He sustains things. God is there. Each step of the way, God is present. God is aware of what's going on. God is at work in in all of these areas of life. It's not whether he's working. It's what is he doing? What is God trying to do here? Uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that he brings all things together for good to those who love God are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Literally saying that everything that happens to us in life, God uses for our good. Doesn't mean everything's good. Sometimes we're in a mess because of consequences, poor choices that we made, just blatant sin, rebellion. Sometimes it's because of trials or whatever else. But God will take that and he will bring about good for those who love him, right? Believers have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those who are called according to his purpose. Meaning it works it together, not for our selfish desires necessarily, but to bring about His goal, His will. And those He foreknew, He predestined, what was the purpose? To be conformed to the image of His Son. What's the good that He brings? Literally, He makes us like Jesus. Once we understand that, again, what is God doing in this situation? Somehow, some way, God's trying to make me like Jesus. Of that, I'm sure, from His Word. Ultimately, our goal needs to be to bring Him glory. 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31 And whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That's one of those purpose statements in Scripture. What are we here for? We're to bring Him glory, to make Him famous. So... We see here a command, in all your ways acknowledge Him, 
And we also see a promise. And he will make straight your paths. Literally, he will bring you to the right destination. Uh, many times you see, although while we are just taking a step by step through life, and many times we can't see beyond right in front of our feet, it's amazing that once we finally just rely on God, transfer that trust and us trying to figure it out, us trying to muscle it through life and just turn things over to him and, and respond to see him at work, to see how he's teaching and growing and leading us, how all of a sudden the path just starts to kind of straighten out and widen up. He starts moving us to his goal. God's destination is better than any of our goals or desires that we have. Understand this. 95% of the questions that we have in life are clearly spelled out in black and white in Scripture. 95% of life and the decisions that we make, I can pretty much go and with a little bit of time and study and give you chapter and verse, this is what you're supposed to do. Thus saith the Lord. This is the will of God. Do this. In our relationships, in our uh, how we interact with people, when we're wronged against, we should respond this way. In our marriage, these are the things that we see, and, and this are the roles that we're supposed to, to adhere to, and these are the way we're supposed to treat each other. And, and we may need to work through some of the specifics of what that looks like day to day in life. But the, but the principle is clear, and many times just it's very specific. This is what you should do. But sometimes there's questions that we have in life that's kind of in the 5%, right? I would have, it would have been wonderful if I could have found, I still haven't found it, the chapter and verse that said on August 4th, 1990, I was to marry Tiffany Folk. I did a word search, Folk in there, right? There's not even a Tiffany in there. So what do you do about these questions that we have? What do you do when, okay, you know, you come in to, for biblical counseling and, and a lot of what we do is we see where are you at and where do we see that in scripture and what does scripture say about that and then we start talking through, now what does that look like, how should that look like and, and play out in very practical ways. But what do you do when you need and you're looking for those specific answers in life? Well, there are six things. Six principles that I want you to write down. I think we, we made us put even put them up on a slide. Now you need to understand, please. This is not uh, just find one of the six that kind of fit what you want. But the understanding here is you need to run every decision through these six principles when you're seeking the very specific answers of life. Number one, trust God's word. Trust God's word. Apply biblical principles. We go to scripture. We say, is there a a principle that that, that speaks on this topic? Or is there something that God says that this is how we should respond in in a general principle that we can apply to this situation? Uh, Sometimes in Bible study, I'll have people write out the acronym SPECS, where we look for sins, uh, promises or principles, examples, commands stumbling blocks that we find in scripture are there any of those things that we see in scripture that apply to this situation and then apply those principles trust god's word in making those decisions but beyond that number two then we should also seek wise biblical counsel 
Seek wise biblical counsel. There is safety in the multitude of counselors, Proverbs tells us. And, and you notice I include the word, two words there, those qualifying words of wise. Okay, so that may exclude a lot of my friends who are going through the same stuff that I'm going through that really have no more idea of what to do than I do, right? You, you know, you never go to a fat person for diet tips. You never go to a poor person to get answers to questions on money. Kind of makes sense, but wise, biblical, Someone who's going to ask the tough questions, who's going to go to Scripture and say, well, let's see what perspective we, we can find in Scripture on this. Of seek wise biblical counsel. Number three, we should look for God at work in circumstances. Look for God at work in circumstances. Literally, look for the open doors and the closed doors. Did you hear it just a little bit ago in the announcements when Pastor Tim was here? It's, it's the, we're making decisions based on God's words and the principles and evaluating these things. I guarantee these six things all played a part in the decision process that's going on right now for a future location. But a lot of it now is just kind of, as God opens the door, I take a step through. Another door opens, I take a step through. The door shuts, we take a step back. Where is God at work? Where is God Working, acknowledging, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Allowing God to direct your path in many ways, that's through the open doors and the closed doors. Number four, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, I'm sure there are times where you have sensed the indwelling Holy Spirit in your life as He leads and directs and prompts us. You know that many times as we start walking through this process and taking those steps, and, and, and you know the, the peace as God's Spirit ministers to your spirit that you get and when you're in a right spot before God. But I also want to caution you. Sometimes that feeling inside is indigestion. Right? We can also manipulate a lot in our feelings, and so be very careful of this. God's Uh, The Holy Spirit leading in your life will never be contrary to God's Word. We need to still be applying all of these principles. But God does lead. God does direct. That is a role that the Holy Spirit plays in in the lives of believers. Number four, or number five, ask about your personal desires. Your passions, your desires, your motives. Um... Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the, the, the desires of your heart. Literally saying there, not that He'll give you what you want, but literally God will give you the right desires. What God's desire for your life and plan for your life will become your desire. He will give you those passions, those desires. God, God it gives us passions. There are things that I am passionate about. And, and much of that is, is God-given. There are also many times things I'm very passionate about, and it's sin-driven. And so one of the things I need to do is ask about my personal desires. What is it that's really motivating me to proceed in a certain direction on this decision? Is this me? Or is this a God-given passion and a desire to accomplish His will? Number six, use common sense. 
Use common sense. I recognize. Common sense isn't quite so common these days. But God has given us a brain. There are some things that as much as I may have a passion for and desire, probably at this point in time, God is not going to call me to be a concert violinist. First, I can't play the violin. There's a a level of giftedness that takes place, right? There's a a level of, of giftedness and skill that needs to be in place. A lot of times we have some grand desires and things, and it may not be contrary to God's world, God's word, but yet there may be some logic that we're escaping. Sometimes it's all in the timing. And sometimes we have the right desire, we have the right decision, the right goal, it, it all is making sense, but, and maybe sort of the door is open, maybe it's closed, maybe we're forcing it a little, I don't know, but it comes down to the issue of timing. Use common sense. For what were those six? Trust God's word. Seek wise biblical counsel. Look for God at work in circumstances. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Ask about personal desires, passions in life, and use common sense. So how does this play out? Well, when you have questions that uh, maybe in the area of how do I relate to my spouse? How do I interact with people there? It's generally pretty easy to find a number of black and white principles in Scripture. Some of those, thus saith the Lord, these are the things that God says, the truth of God's Word of how we are to interrelate. What about, I'm not sure what decision or how to handle this situation at work. Well, maybe there's some principles that apply there. But maybe that's something now that we need to go back to this, these six questions. I don't know, should I take the promotion? Should I quit this job and transfer here or go into this new line of work? For some of you, the question you, you may be asking right now in, in this congregation is, should we pick up and sell everything and move to Denver and be a part of the church plant there? Now, which would that be? Would that be in the 95% in God's Word or the 5% of very specific questions that we're asking? It's the 5%. There are principles, but there's also all of these other things that are going to play a part. And a lot of that is, is God leading? Is there an open door? Is there a peace about it? Does it make sense? And I understand that much of what we do as Christians don't make sense to the world. And I'm not talking about the human logic, but, but is the timing right? Do you see how those play out in in the general and the very specific questions of life? So why do we do it? Why why should we be pursuing God's word? Well, it's because he will bring us to the right destination. There's joy. When you're in the will of God, it doesn't mean everything's always easy. There's joy. There's peace. Even in the midst of utter chaos and turmoil, it can still have a peace about us. Even in, in moments of great loss, of losing a loved one, yet there still can be a peace that comes from God and knowing that God is at work and that we are in God's will. There's um, eternal rewards. Laying up your treasures in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
understanding that, that all we're doing is bringing glory to God while there are rewards and value in that here and now and wisdom in that, but ultimately the rewards, the ultimate rewards are coming in eternity. Um, could be, it's exciting. God's come to give His life and to give it abundantly to us. The Christian life is anything but boring. And ultimately, it's fulfilling. There's a contentment that comes. Last year, we had uh, I had a situation. I had a lady came in, and we'll, we'll call her uh, Lori. It's not really her name, but but she came in. She was struggling um, terribly at the moment, and literally, when she even came in that day, she came in just already in tears. She was having just terrible panic attacks. And it, it was just becoming more and more debilitating. And, and she was a believer. I had known her for a number of years and, and worked through. And, and what I was looking at there was totally not her normal personality. Um, and so we, we started working through. And, and again, she's asking questions. What is going on? Why is this happening? You know, what, what do I do about it? All these questions start coming forward. And I'll just tell you that, that most of the time we, especially early on in counseling, we lay it out this way. And it's, it's kind of in a grid work. And, and, you know, God has created. God has set up his principles. It's kind of time when I'd write it up on the whiteboard. And if we do what's right, if we have right uh, thinking, right behavior, right attitudes, it leads to... To, to good, to positive emotions. Again, not peace and joy. And doesn't mean everything's always happy. Doesn't mean it's not difficulty. But yet, you can still be in a good spot before God. But when, when we have wrong thinking, wrong uh, behaviors, we're doing the wrong things, we have wrong attitudes, wrong goals, heart's desires, it, it leads to, to very negative emotions. Every time people come in to see me, or at least almost every time, they're coming in because of the negative emotions that are going on. And so what we do is we just start working it backwards. We say, okay, so what it is, where do we see in Scripture? Where do we see what, what you're going through? How does Scripture describe it? What does Scripture say to do about it? And then what does that look like in your life today? Where are we at? Where's the wrong thinking, the wrong behavior, the wrong attitudes? Maybe we're approaching this wrong. In her case, it was an area of focus. It was an area of, of pride. It was an area of, there were a number of issues that as we started working through in the weeks, that started resurfacing and, and, and coming uh, to the top to the point that, that she kept making the comment, I had no idea that was really what I was even thinking and what was going on. And then we take and say, what does Scripture say? How do we, re- what do we replace that with? And what's some practical ways in your life this week that we can start to replace that with. Understanding that the ultimate goal is not just my happiness. The ultimate goal is that it brings glory to God. And trust me, you're going to be in a good spot if that goal is fulfilled. To the point that after over a month, month and a half or so of meeting, you know, she comes back and, and all of a sudden she walked in one and it was, it was the old Lori back. Smiles on the face and understanding, boy, this is where I really was, was getting off in my thinking. Was it because of some great creative new technique that I've come up with? If I had, trust me, I would be publishing a book right now. Okay. It's not. The book's already been published. Amen. All the answers to life and godliness. The trick is 
What do we see? What does it look like? How do I apply it? So let me ask you the question. Where do you go for answers? Does your decision-making processes look like that? Is it based on God's Word? Do you go, when you have very specific decisions to make, do you run through a myriad of these principles to check and see if this is God is doing? Are you asking that key question? What is God doing in this situation to bring about His result?